Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. This is a show that I've been wanting to do for a while now, ever since our guest and regular contributor, Steve Hatcher, appeared on the ITV quiz show The Chase. And to be honest, I probably thought about it even earlier than that when he first let us know that he was going to be on that show. That his appearance was such a success for his team, so much so that it led to a certain amount of fleeting notoriety in impressed corners of certain social media by showing us all what a right old clever boots he is, is testament to his extraordinary quizzing abilities. And I thought it might be interesting to chat to him today, not only about the world of quizzing, but also about his experiences of recording such a show in the scary and brain-bleaching, thought-quenching environment of a glitzy and glamorous old television studio. It also turns out that The Chase was not Steve's first venture into a broadcasting environment in order to take part and hold his own in some of the hardest broadcasting quiz formats that television and radio have managed to conjure up to addle the minds of clever young hopefuls over the years. Our chat also considers what it is about certain personalities that make them more likely to succeed in being able to summon up the necessary answers from the dark corners of the dusty attics of their minds when lights, cameras and makeup are all being wrangled around their moment in the spotlight. This leads to several interesting diversions in which we discuss linguistics, cricket broadcasting and the various merits of the television presenter in the modern era. Why Steve continues to talk to an old thicky boots like me is anybody's guess, although we're all terribly grateful that he does so. And I hope that we have indeed managed to get beyond any fears that taking such a topic for our theme might be a little bit boring. Far from it. Anyway, let's crank up those Fab Radio International time engines and see if we can get you all on the scoreboard with a couple of easy starter questions to get you going without having to phone a friend. Hello, Steve. How are you? Hello, Martin. Yeah, good to be back again. Thank you for having me on to talk rubbish again. Well, yes, I thought we, we often, uh, when we talk, we always do something a, a little bit planned, a forethought. And uh, I've been enjoying doing these sort of more random tele chats because I think sometimes, hmm. in some ways, you learn more about what people think and how they take and all this kind of thing. So Ooh, I'll be on I, my guard then. Well, precisely. So I was, I was going to, uh, I've got a starting point. I've got two starting points for you today. I'm still trying to juggle between the two, but I think I'm going to go with this one, which is I was wondering, in terms of my own situation, one of the things I've been wondering about is why I should never go on pointless and why I should never go on pointless is that at some point they would say, you do television podcasting. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do television radio show. Thank you very much. And then they would put up a question about television. I would go, uh, and I would look like a complete fool. Uh, but you have got experience of with shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. They would, they yeah. would ask me something about, I don't know, something that was on three weeks ago and I'd be like, 
or EastEnders or something, and I'd be like, I don't know what's happening. But you, you're a, you're a you're a seasoned quizzer. You've done a well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I quiz at quite a high level um, mm-hmm. in a in a quiz league and in Derbyshire, Derbyshire Pubs Quiz League. And mm-hmm. anyone who lives in Derbyshire fancy gets involved in quizzing, look up DPQL Derbyshire Pubs Quiz League. We're always looking for new members. Um, and there are teams at various levels within that and we we've tended to do very well in it i was about to say we usually win our division but then at a modesty i backed away from that but we do there's, we have, two... have been known to win competition. yeah yeah, yeah. Our, our our team in our league is me and uh, a fellow who won brain of britain he's a former brain of britain and he also scored the highest ever general knowledge score on mastermind right. uh, and then another guy who made the grand final on 15 to 1 one year and and then me who, who sort of did reasonably okay on the, the chase and i got to the semi-final of brain of britain on the radio the other year i'm uh, quite honored that you'll talk to an idiot like me then that's, that's well uh, also <laughs> all, well yeah but we're sort of put in the shade there's another guy in in our league hmm. in the other no i would say the other very strong team there's a number of strong teams hmm. but the other team that tends to be challenging to win there's a guy there who also playing um in online team with who is one of only two people to have both been a mastermind champion mm-hmm. and to have won a million on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, a fellow called David Edwards, who's a former science teacher, he was the it's second person. <laughs> yep, second person to win Who Wants to Be a Millionaire to win so a million. When you, um, I mean, is this all you just have that sort of mind? Is it, or did this start from, I mean, to get us back on to the television thing, is this start from? collating data and information about television back in the day do you uh, think that is the roots of it or did it come from somewhere completely different we're we talking about the quizzing mm. no it's it's I, I just have that strange sort of mind that, yeah. that sort of pointless to use a, to an expression uh, information sort of sticks yeah and it's not something conscious things mm. either stick or don't and i mean i know quizzes who are very dedicated mm. who go away and take you know, lists of the presidents of the United mm. States and American state capitals and, mm. and the periodic table of the elements, all the things that always come up. Yeah. And, um, and they learn them. Yeah. And I've never been much cop at that, to be honest. No. I've never been much good at learning lists, which is given that my job, uh, well, I was a modern foreign languages teacher and mm. I've been a linguist. That's, that's my profession yeah. is, is professional linguist. And there has to be a certain amount of learning of words to, to mm. learn languages. And I've never been much good at that. I mean, I, yeah. I was never great at vocab tests at school. Have you ever because... watched television in the, in the original French or something? Are you, are you oh, a yeah. fan of, oh, yeah. of oh, watching yeah. programs in their original language? Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I, and you, and you can follow that quite yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah I've, I've, there's a number of French shows that I've enjoyed over recently, it's particularly mm. Engrenage, which is mm. called Spiral in, in mm. English, has been fun. And there's mm. been a number. But um, it's always nice to have the subtitles as well, because mm. then you're comparing what you can hear yeah. with what another probably rather better than you professional translator has, yeah. has spent a lot of time working on so you can you can you can actually learn stuff from that so how many languages that. do you have well my degree is french and italian right and i did spanish and german to right. reasonably high level at school i did a GCSE in Russian a few years ago when I was teaching mm-hmm. um, there was an opportunity to learn some Russian so I did that um, I can from my knowledge of Spanish mainly I can get by in Portuguese mm-hmm. 
Can you follow um, all the Swedish crime dramas then? Already? Well, I'm learning Swedish at the right. moment, you okay. see. Um, we're using a, a, an app on my phone. Ah. And I've, I've been doing it for, well, about 18 months now. Yeah. And I've finished their course, going back over it now. And I'm, I'm amazed at how well it's sticking, because my line as a modern languages teacher has always been, oh, the best way to learn a language is with a teacher. It's to be seven <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, well, yeah, that is actually around about when they reckon it's the best age to yeah. start. Yeah, but uh, I didn't get that opportunity. But this app is working really well, and I'm not right. here to push this particular app, Duolingo, so yeah. I won't uh, mention no, their name, <laughs> Duolingo. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it, 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 that's working really well. So I'm enjoying learning some Swedish. Now, there is no purpose whatsoever in me learning Swedish, because no. I'm not planning on going to Sweden in the near future. I have been mm. in the past. And if you do go to Sweden everybody speaks, speaks English, English mm-hmm. and speaks it to a much higher level than I'm going to get in Swedish if I had learned it for the rest of my life. So I've got yeah. tak. Tak. <laughs> tak so but the, the more languages you learn, it tends to become easier. Yes. Uh, particularly within European languages, you, mm. because I know some German, I'm recognising quite a lot of Swedish from mm. knowledge of German and English, mm. both Germanic languages. Uh, Italian and Spanish were very easy to learn because I'd, I'd already started learning French then. But is and, it and quite satisfying to be able to follow Inspector Montalbano, say, without needing to read? Montalbano is a particular difficulty. I mean, right. I, I, I do speak Italian, but an awful mm. lot of Montalbano isn't in Italian. It's in, right. it's in Sicilian. Sicilian. Yeah. <laughs> ah, right. yeah. But yeah, I do particularly love that show. That's, that's mm. a, a lovely show. Yeah, uh, it's, it is. It's fun. That's right. And, and there's some languages... I don't know. There's, it's, you pick on Italian, though. Italian, as I say, it's part of my degree, and it's probably the language, other than English, that I speak the mm. most, although I've been learning French for longer, and I mm. probably can read French better than I can Italian, mm. but probably speak Italian the best. And it's a bizarre physical pleasure to speak mm. Italian. It actually forming those words and making those rhythms and things like mm. that i think it's i mean without sound, trying to sound too pretentious i think it's almost it feels like it would feel if i were able to make music which i can't yeah. ah. but it's it, it's a similar sort of thing i think yeah physical so, pleasure so that's part and parcel do you think the quizzing skills come from the language skills not at all, at all. not or, in the slightest they're not related so so when you actually i mean you notoriously or famously or whatever you did your appearance on the chase mm-hmm. that was a lot of basic info is that just stuff you hold in your head or it's stuff that i can i you, mean you there to, all the time yeah but do you have to research before you do a, a yeah, I, I'm, well as i was saying i'm rubbish at that i can't yeah. learn lists no uh, I'm, I'm not very good at learning lists and which is dreadful because as a language teacher i spent all those years telling those kids here's the list of words you need to learn mm. <laughs> and yeah. i knew i would be hopeless at that myself um <laughs> no there's no control over it it's just mm. fly paper mind random facts stick but also the more you quiz mm. and the more you quiz at a higher level mm. the more you can have intelligent guesses yes yeah so you can sort of work that out was a, where when you did your appearance on, on the chase you did a very there was a very obscure piece of i think it was was a military history or or something or european history and you just think where do you get that can't from remember can't remember what that oh, would okay, have been but um, it, but what I'm saying is those little nuggets that you, you, you know, if someone sort of suddenly mentions, I don't know, the siege of Sebastopol or something, do you yeah. find that just comes to you? 
Well, that's the Crimean War, isn't it? So that's mm. the 1850s. So mm. I would be, I'm, my first guess then, the first thing that came into my mind was 1854. Mm. But I'm not saying that's right. So no, no, <laughs> no, that no, would no, be no, within I'm two not, or three here, years. I'm not here to quiz you on no. that. I mean, I mean no, I'm asking you questions, but it's not that kind of thing. But but that it's would just be within that, two or three years. Did you actually have to be mentally prepared to go in the studio? Because I mean, studios yeah. are funny places, yeah. aren't they? All to, sorts of distractions and everything. You have to concentrate. Yeah. And you have to absolutely concentrate. I mean, I did Mastermind 30 yeah. odd years ago. Right. And with Magnus Magnuson. Mm. And he was absolutely lovely. And I was there all day. We were there as a group mm. of contestants, of contenders with Magnus all day. Mm. And he made us incredibly relaxed. Mm. And I think that worked against me. I was thinking too hard about the. But is it a focus thing? I mean, it is focus, yeah. Do you, because uh, I mean, people sit at home and, and when programs are on and they've got their Twitter feed or whatever, and they sort of go, Well, how did they not know this and that? There must be that rabbit in the headlamps thing. Oh, and, and there's sometimes the more, more often than not, when you do, when I do a quiz, there'll come a question that I know that I know the answer to. Mm. But I can't, I can't find it at that particular moment. Yeah. It, it, it feels, if I've got time to think, then I can actually sort of go down into my mind and explore little rooms and, and back ways and things mm. like that. And see, that sounds strange. But, and, and then no, sometimes a, I'll go, palace. no. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I go, I can't find it. And then it will come to me. Yeah. It's, it's very random and I don't know how it works. But sometimes the thing comes two minutes later. I mean, I suppose there is a time factor. There's always a time factor in yeah. television quizzes there specifically. Yeah. But you, you get very good at, the, the more you do it, you get very good at making mm. guesses. I mean, there was one on, I did on the chase and it was mm. about what Japanese island a particular mm. city is in. Mm. And I was buzzing in quite quickly. Mm. And I can't even remember what the city was, but mm. it was the city of blah, blah. Yeah. And it, I recognized it was a Japanese city and I buzzed in mm. expecting the rest of the question to be, is in what country? Yeah. And it was on what Japanese island? Ah. And luckily Bradley didn't stop as soon as I buzzed in. He carried on with the question. And so I, so I had split second to think, right, mm. guess a Japanese island. Mm. So I guessed one and it was right. So uh, that was a lucky one. Um, yeah. But, um, I mean, do you think that is a lot of it is luck? I mean, you, you see people who do their three days on pointless and get knocked out in the first round yeah. on the three days. Do you think it just, they get unlucky because it happens to be subjects they don't it, know about? But there must be a huge amount of luck there, mustn't there? Yeah. But, but nonetheless, I mean, some of my friends who have done again, quizzed at a, a high mm. level and done lots and lots of TV. Well, the quizzing community presumably do a lot of telly quizzes. I mean, you it's, do sometimes see the same people. Turn. It's it's the it's it's the usual suspects. Yeah, mm. you do. You I mean, do you actually that. sit at home going, oh, <laughs> quite often. <laughs> this year's this year's mastermind final uh, had a friend in that uh, right. uh, the radio Four counterpoint two of the three contestants in the final mm. <laughs> friends so yeah it's yeah and i've i don't i've not done a lot a lot at national no. level I've, not, I've done very little at national level mm. the lockdown was great because there sprung up a number of national mm. online quiz competitions and i found myself quizzing against uh, some of the best people in the country mm. all of a sudden and, you know as part of a team yeah uh, and we were a good strong team and you know in the opposition there were let's have a think there were two of the eggheads were in different teams there was one of the chasers was in a different another team as well yeah so we how held our own against them i know this is a weird thing but because how do they do they actually just win a lot of quizzes and get recruited for these shows the the experts yeah yeah that's how it goes they they right. tend to get known around the circuit and mm. and I, I think also it's a question of are they good telly 
because I, I'm sure there are some uh, exceptional, I know there are some exceptionally good quizzes who perhaps, should we say, don't sparkle in front of the camera quite as much mm. and uh, not so interesting. So when you apply, did you apply for the chase? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, if people were interested in doing television quizzes, do you, I mean, they have to have a certain amount of charisma or interests. I mean, I imagine that you have to have at least three interests for if you're going to do three appearances on a thing like Pointless, because they've got to have a conversation with you three days on the run that presumably is different <laughs> from yesterday's. So you have I'm to not at least for Pointless, to be honest. But yeah. um, you know, I don't want to sound as if I'm some sort of expert because no, I've no, applied for all sorts of things over the years that I've not got on. Yeah, and I was interviewed for mastermind this year and i mm. thought the interview went pretty well and the mm. audition and I, I was quite hopeful but it mm. doesn't look as if i've got on this year i was going to mm. by the end of may if i had so so i'm not any sort of expert no but i think yeah quite often they they take people on they, they don't want a complete cast of people who are going to be brilliant quizzes yeah um, in fact, Paul Sinner, who I know through the online league I, I mm. played, who's one of the chasers, when I mentioned to him that I'd done, I'd recorded an episode mm. of The Chase, he said, oh, you've done very well then, because they don't always like to take quizzes, as it mm. were. You know, they, they like to take people in general, yeah. which is as it should be. And if you look at something like The Chase, there's a wide range of abilities that they have there. And people shouldn't be put off applying for that. Because they feel, oh, I'm nowhere near good enough or whatever. Because there's people of all sorts of levels get taken on that show and quite often walk away with substantial amounts of money because they get lucky to be on a team yeah. with someone who is someone yeah. who is pretty good. So are these the only two television appearances you've done, The Mastermind? No. Oh, no. Right. no. Uh, the first one I did, I did Winner Takes All back in the Blimey. late 80s. Back yeah. in the Tarby days. No, it was oh. after he'd left. It was after he left, they did at least one, possibly two series, where the background voice, Jeffrey Wheeler, yeah. who had previously been the host of uh, Top of the Form, if you remember mm. that, he came front, front of camera. Of camera. Yeah. yeah, and and so it was with Jeffrey Wheeler, who was absolutely lovely. And that was, I think it was 88. It might have been 89. Yeah. It was no, I think it was 88. Got through to the day's final, but didn't win. Uh, and again, I'd seen the thing in the newspaper, as it was in those days. Yeah. I was living in Carlisle at the time. In the, in the the local paper, there was a thing, come along to such and such a hotel at such and such a time and uh, have an that audition. Dodgy, does it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, there was... There was a, I, I did it, and a couple of my colleagues from school did it, and yeah. a, a couple of us got on. Um, I got through to the day's final, uh, didn't win the money. Uh, someone else won the money who, who was very good and was a, yeah. a nurse at uh, the hospital in Newcastle, so good luck to him. Uh, that was brilliant. So I did that. I did uh, Mastermind in 1993, mm. yeah. and I, um, I didn't win. I came fourth out of four on my heat with a respectable enough score. I scored, mm. what did I score? I scored 11 on my specialist subject, which was England against Australia test matches, the Ashes, between the wars. Mm -hmm. So that was my special subject. I scored 11 on that and 12 on the general knowledge. Mm. It says again about the uh, flypaper brain. Mm -hmm. And so total of 23, and that was enough to be on bottom place for the That's day. Uh, it's changed. It? Yeah, well, yeah. it's changed. In those days, that was a sort of average score. These days, that would probably win it wouldn't it but um, well again i the, the, the questions have changed mastermind over the years uh, do they actually time them because some people seem to get a question that lasts about half a minute do they this actually time them so you get the same number of questions or no i don't think don't. they do well i think it's supposed to work out that way 
but I think a lot of quizzes will, a lot of quizzes are getting a bit tired with these very long questions on, mm. on Mastermind and so on. And, and See, certainly in the days when Humphreys it? was doing it, yeah. it was. Well, Humphreys could talk the iron leg off a donkey, couldn't he? I mean, he was, he was a, a natterer. <laughs> Which I just wonder sometimes whether when you do radio, when you do podcasting, the amount of times you have to do retake. I mean, if, do they allow the time for stumbling? If, does the question master ever stumble on the question? In your experience? Well, on the day I did it, the one day I did it. There was, it took there four was hours our, to record the two minutes. Well, no, there was our show and there was another show recorded. Right. okay. I don't recall Magnus Magnuson stumbling over anything, no. no but um, there's, there's specials there's, for you. Hmm, there's, there's one of my friends who recorded a quiz show. I can't remember what it was called, but it was... It didn't last very long, and I think one of the reasons why it didn't last very long was the extraordinary choice to cast the dreadful Anne Widdicombe as the the, the question master. And was my that friend tells me, grandma or something, wasn't it? Oh, I, I, oh. Like it. my friend tells me that all of the contestants who were there that day were really struggling with this mm. woman mispronouncing words, mm. mumbling, mm. not saying things clearly, and mm. and and just generally being awful at her job so that didn't last um she probably should have gone into politics <laughs> <laughs> john humphreys wasn't popular with the quizzing community mm. um i think particularly after magnus magnuson because magnuson was very very friendly very warm mm. he made everybody welcome he was an mm. absolutely lovely man and humphreys apparently I, I didn't do a show with him was a little more a lot more standoffish and mm. didn't mix with the contestants and yeah. so on so hopefully that's changed again so i did mastermind and then i did oh yes i was teaching down in essex mm-hmm. and i did a, a, a lovely show called swat or what oh right which, which was a, an itv show it was made i think jointly mm. between anglia television and central television right and it was school teams from each of the two regions. Mm-hmm. And I was asked to go on with our school team. There was me and two sixth formers. It was oh, a, right. So I, I, funny, I, I had the vague memory that there was a, a quiz with teacher and pupils on the same team. Well, there's been one recently, hasn't there? There's been, um, what was that one um, that Susan Kalman did on CBBC? Uh, I can't remember what that was called, but it was very good, actually. And the teacher would come out and answer a round of questions. But no, it was a a team of the three of us. And we we won. That's not setting yourself up, is it? (laughs) No, it it isn't. But luckily, luckily it all worked well. And we won. And we won some bits and pieces for the school and Mm -hmm. for ourselves. So that Mm -hmm. was nice. And after that, that was in the early 90s. That Mm. was about 94. I didn't do anything really then for Mm. a a number of years. And then in sort of late noughties, I did a... I did a BBC Two tea time thing called Battle of the Brains. Oh, right. I think it lasted two series. There was mm-hmm. there was one series with that Dominic Diamond out of Games Master. Right. And one series with another guy, I can't remember his name, and we had him. Right. Right. Yeah, and it was, again, a team thing. And it, this was, we sent a team from the Derbyshire Quiz right. League. And that was quite fun. And uh, it was sort of little individual contests within within a team thing and my little individual contest was against the guy who was one of the new eggheads guy called olaf who's one of the new eggheads and he just about beat me Uh, mark labette was recording an episode the same day actually in another team 
Wow. So there we, there we go. No, all connected. So I, out, out there somewhere is actually a winning brain that's still reigning champion. Then. <laughs> in, probably, in yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah. Or Battle of the Brian's record. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we lost that one. So the DPQL sent another team a year later and won. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so we were the quietly forgotten team. <laughs> wow. But there we are. No, I didn't do much during the years when I was teaching because... Mm. It, difficult to get time off to, yes. to go and wiggle your bum on telly when you're supposed to be teaching kids well, French. And it's also, I, I mean, I don't know, it depends on the pupils, I suppose, but some will be thinking, oh, it's great, I'll teach it on telly, and some will use it as a stick to beat you with forevermore. Ne never had that problem. So I did, I, you had a just stick. a couple of years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I did Brain and Britain on the radio. Right. And as, as I say, I got through to the semi-final. That's a tough that one, isn't it, about Brain and Britain? It's fun. I've sat in the car listening to that and I'm, I've forgotten the beginning of the question before the end of it sometimes. It's <laughs> no, it's good fun. You're not dealing with quality here, mate. <laughs> that, that, was, that was three years ago, so that mm -hmm. would have been 2019, and I'm allowed to apply again five years after. Ah, oh, right. So another couple of years I'll apply again. You keep feeding uh, the brain and... and putting an extra layer of, of skill on it and you'll be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the person who beat me in the semi-final, I was, I was leading the semi-final all the way through to mm. more or less to the last round. And I got caught on the last round by, mm -hmm. by someone who is, is a very, very good quizzer, who is, is now a friend as well, and is the current counterpoint champion as well. Does it feel different? I mean, I, I know the situation is different radio to television, mm. but do you feel that there's been a change, you know, from when you did Mastermind right through to modern times, does it yeah. feel that television production and quizzing and quiz shows have changed? Or is it still fundamentally the same thing? It's you standing there in the spotlight with well, your it, head, it, head full of thoughts. When it comes down to it, it is that largely, isn't it? But I, th I think the, the focus these days is much more on the entertainment side mm. of it, which is fine because it is an entertainment, isn't it? It's, yeah. not, it's nothing serious. And that's related to this length of questions thing, mm. that the questions on Mastermind have got ridiculously long. And quite often, a question will start mm. and you'll know the answer then. Mm. And then the question will go on and on and on, given more and more information, basically giving away the answer right. so that basically anyone would have known the answer. And right. you've known it right at the start. Right. But you're not and, allowed um, to interrupt, is that? You're not allowed to interrupt. Right. And that's so that the people sitting at home won't feel daft because they'll get the answer to the question right. by the end of it anyway. So if a question starts, who said, and you go, you know, Bamba Gascoigne, and they go, you know, that isn't satisfying television, but it's... That's right. Yeah. That's right. I see what you mean. Yeah. So, um, can be though, can be. So, how does your your wide knowledge of television come into <laughs> this? Did it you prove useful on any of your appearances at all? I honestly can't remember. Um, right. I think yeah, there was there was one of, there were one or two on the the chase that were a bit telly related that I seem to remember that I mm. I got quite quickly. Uh, Would you as think I that recall. when you were growing up watching? I mean, was television something? That, I mean, that you've always been interested in or or was it something that you came to later? Because you, you do have a very eclectic and wide uh, interest. Let me answer that in a second, because I'll just go back to the quiz thing just quickly. Because mm. I I, you asked earlier whether there's a connection between being a linguist and that, mm. and that. And I think there is a connection, but it's not the obvious one. It's mm. not 
the way the brain works or mm. the way the mind works. It's the fact that if you know lots of different languages, there are clues about questions because if it's about yes. the meaning of a word or if it's about what is such and such, then as, as a linguist, you can pick up on linguistic clues yes. probably a bit more easier than other people. I think mm. being a linguist helps with being a quizzer, but there are some plenty of good quizzers yeah. who are not linguists at all. Two of the best quizzes I know are uh, native Welsh speakers right. who, who have done learnt English mm. and who don't. One of them does speak some other languages as well, but the other one doesn't. Mm. So I, th I think that there is there is a bit of that. that. Well, right, the television thing. Route. No, there are common roots to language. Yeah, so yeah. You can see the, yeah. the, the roots of words that have absolutely or whatever. So I can ask absolutely. I just wondered whether that thing of accumulating facts about the director of this or the writer of that or anything, do you feel that that sort of shaped your brain at all? I, I don't think so. That's not mm. something that I grew up doing. I mean, I, it's in relatively recent years that mm. I've taken an interest in, in that sort of thing. Mm. I mean, I grew up in the 60s. I was born in 58. Mm. So my TV childhood was very much that. I was the TV generation. Mm. And how lucky was I to be growing up at a time when kids TV was mm. probably as good as it's ever been. You know, mm. you think of the Jerry Anderson shows and mm. some of the great things that were coming out of Southern television mm. and Harlech television and, and mm. uh, HTV and, uh, and, and uh, ATV as well mm. in the Midlands. And so there's some extraordinary television, kids yeah. television coming out. There was the ITC shows as well, a little bit more grown up, but mm. absolutely accessible for kids. The Avengers. I mean, this mm. And I haven't mentioned Doctor Who yet. I mean, no. I think we've discussed before how I hardly <laughs> ever watched Doctor Who when no, I was No, no, no. What's that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I ha seriously hardly yeah. ever watched Doctor mm. Who when I was a kid because I was out on Sunday mm. nights. I was at my grandparents. Yes. Um, but did you want to? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, was a, it was part of the oh, yeah. zeitgeist at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I knew what was vaguely going on in it mm. and I knew what it was about and saw the films and mm. owned some of the merchandise and the books mm. and all that, but didn't go to watch it. Yeah, no, extraordinarily good television. And mm. the Anderson things in particular were absolutely central to what I watched. Mm. I had the, the first ever issue of TV Century 21 magazine mm. and sent off to become a member of Spectrum. But do you think that that sort of ability to join the dots, if you like, or make connections, I mean, would the other kids in your school have known an Anderson production from anybody else's? Or is it something that you start to pick up on, do you think? It's a very good question. I Possibly not, actually. I mean, I, I suppose I got into that a little bit more deeply see, I than start the kids to around think me. That a lot of my interest in television came from things picking up things like the making of doctor who and and those sorts of books that sort mm. of sort of put the tentacles out and made suggestions or names that appeared in some things and say oh they'd also written this and written that yeah i had that book um i mean i was a bit older by then i mm. bought that 72 is it the first edition the first 73 yeah with the sea devil on the front so i would have been i'd have been 14 15 mm. but Kids were kids in those days. Mm. These days, a 14, 15-year-old is a, is a young adult, aren't mm. they? Those days, we were kids. Mm. And I, I loved that book. And, and I'd started watching Doctor Who by then. Um, mm. In fact, it was a Christmas repeat of The Sea Devils that really uh, made, convinced me I had to start watching this all the time and did from then on. Mm. Um, you see, I was that tiresome lad at work sometimes uh, when, when I used to work where people would say, oh, what was that program with? And it would come immediately. It would be like, uh, oh, yeah. And you'd know it. 
and you never knew why you knew it and people always used to say how do you know that and you go well I don't know what, how I know it I just know that I do and, and it's like retaining that sort of information and do you think because I wonder whether that you know a lot of Doctor Who fans a lot of fans generally of television shows are very focused on lists and facts and everything like yes that. I just yes. wonder whether it's it's something that comes from making those connections well when the lists i had when i was a kid i when i was at junior school i became very much obsessed with history actually mm. rather than tv and i mm. had i had a big book where i used to write lists of historical things in there lists mm. of kings and queens of sweden and that sort of <laughs> thing you know? i had all that sort of thing and and i knew a lot of that nonsense mm. um so that that was my lists rather than producers of doctor who or whatever it's or, just that some of the reference works that are now written about television they depend on a lot of this kind of data that people accumulated uh, but some people do seem to have it in here in their heads yeah. you know they and it's almost to hand i mean if you if you happen to mention you know that person x directed episode y and they're like, oh no that was person z you know they'll, they'll know that immediately well, it was the history for me, and then it was cricket, and I became right. very, well, cri- very yes, much cricket into the, cricket. Cricket is, me. of course, a great source of many, many. Oh, yes, very nice. Yes, that's for those the who can't see. That's, that's yes. my wisdoms behind me. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Which I first bought when I was. I bought my first one in 1974, and but you've got all those memorized. That's what I want to know. I, I haven't got no, them. I have a book, so I don't have to remember it. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, there is that, and and. And there was more than one Saturday afternoon where I would go into the library in Warwick where we right. lived. And they had two or three older copies of Wisdoms from before my, where mm. my collection started. I've got mm. them now. And I was sitting down there writing out test match scores and mm. things like that. Very, very strange childhood. <laughs> so, Can you yeah, remember th- that stuff? Some of it. Right. You see, I've, in recent years, I know I, I listen to test matches on the radio. I don't watch them because I don't have that sort of channel. But I do listen to test matches a lot. But if they talk about sometimes when they're discussing a game from last year, I think no memory of that whatsoever. Last year, not so much. But the 1970s, absolutely. Mm. I've, right. I could it's tell. Like, I could pretty much. It? Yeah, there's there's a whole load of information I could tell you about England's test matches in the 70s. Mm. So and if that ever came up as a as a quiz, uh, I once right in there. Yeah. Well, um, I once did, well, like I said, when I was on Mastermind, I did mm. Ashes Between the Wars, but mm. that did require a certain amount of learning. No, I, I used to be involved in a quiz league in Carlisle when I lived there in Cumbria. And once a year, we had the Brain of Carlisle competition. And I came very close to winning it one year. I was uh, actually tied to win it. And then the question master was good enough to come to me afterward and i lost the tie break mm. the question master was good enough to come up to me a couple of days later and say mm. that question i told you you'd got the answer wrong you were right Ooh. so I won. but then i won it then i won it so yeah. I, I i won it on an entirely different subject but the, on the year i tied it mm. my subject was england's test matches in the 1970s right and it had all just stuck there from when I was a kid. Okay. I think that sort of nonsense does stick better when you're, when you're young. Yeah. The other, I mean, I know I started off by asking you, you know, or mentioning reasons why I shouldn't go on pointless. The reasons that I should never go on a program like that is that something like football would come up about which I know absolutely nothing. Now I oh, know likewise. that Alan Plater, when he was writing uh, the Bidebeck 
Is it Alan Plato who wrote the Rider? Yes, it was. Yes. Um, see, yeah, might have got oh, yes. <laughs> when he was writing the Bidebecks, uh, he used the names of goalkeepers <laughs> for, the, for uh, the Swinburne and um, the, the other one in, in Get Lost. You know, they, they were both. Yes. And the leap of the silent film, so you've got Chaplin and Keaton, you know, for the two teacher names for the, for the male characters. So people... Writers like that have those lists as well, which I think is yeah. fascinating. I did, uh, I, I did a short story for a book. Uh, it was a ghost story I, mm -hmm. I, I wrote for a book that came out before Christmas last year. And uh, it was a sort of lighthearted, fun ghost story. And I, for my characters, I used actors and character names from the film The Night of the Demon. <laughs> just, just about obscure enough. That's the thing. It has to be, you know, you couldn't sort of have your first character called Hartnell and your second one called Pert. No, no, you couldn't. Obvious, but, you, but that was the thing with the footballers, the football facts. You know, I, I literally know nothing. But I often, the other thing that comes up when I watch these, when I watch the, because I've always been a viewer of these quizzes, is that a page will come up of faces and they're just, they were, I don't know, Olympic sports people or they were people who'd been on Strictly Cup and Dancing and I'm like, might as well just show me a picture of people I was at school with. I know yeah. none of those faces. And I sometimes feel that's kind of my fault. It's kind of like, you know, not paying attention, but it's just not the sort of television I watch, not the sort of, yeah. I don't watch the sport thing. But I just think it's interesting that knowledge, if you like, is actually sometimes very specific. So, yeah. you know, do you feel that there are, when you go on these quizzes, there are basically torpedoes to get you right up? Yeah, I've, I've, I've got some very weak areas. I know yeah. that. Um, and one of them, sadly, is science, because right. I didn't do science to much of a level mm. at school at all, because in those days you were allowed to choose to do the things you were good at yeah. uh, at a you, relatively you young age. You stuck to the arts, than, do more arts. Than I stuck to the arts. Um, by, by the end of the, what is now called year nine, the third year, mm. I was studying four languages at school. I was mm. studying French, German, Spanish and Latin, yeah. uh, and no science at all, and no art either, <laughs> for that matter. Yeah, so, so I've got a big weakness there. I have mm. got a weakness with sport, other than cricket as well, mm. and the embarrassing one comes when I when it's a cricket question I don't know mm. because I really feel I ought to but mm. as you say if it was cricket last year mm. well so, if someone good. says to me you know I mean I I know that I've listened to test match after test match after test match but if someone says to me you know name somebody who got five wickets in in 2010 mm. I'm like I can't even remember who was playing anymore I, th I think in terms of the cricket as well it's made a big difference that I mean you said that you haven't got the Sky Channel, so you can't mm. watch it. I think that's made a big difference. I mean, cricket went off terrestrial television um, after the 2005 season, after that wonderful season when England won back the Ashes mm. and and Doctor Who came back, and I was convinced myself I was in a coma somewhere, imagining it all <laughs> because because it was just everything was just wonderful. And whereas before that. Mm people could wander into a room there'd be a telly on there'd be the mm. cricket playing and you'd get to know that's yeah. michael vaughan yeah. that's shane warne that's whoever yeah nowadays they're just names if you're listening on the radio that's the, the thing the, then it's... the radio commentary is brilliant yeah but you can't visualize what a lovely cover drive by ollie pope looks like anymore mm. Uh, because you don't get to see it. A wonderful Joe Root innings. Mm. There's no picture for that with a lot mm. of people. I mean, I've, I've got I've got the Sky Channels because I watch it because I want I want to mm. see it, and and uh, they're still vivid characters for me as much as they ever were. 
but for an awful lot of people, they're names, and that's all. Do you think that is part of it? You, you, I really do. When you when you pick up on or when you accumulate, actually, words and pictures, if you like, sounds and pictures are in combination. Yes. They make that work better. Well, I think cricket particularly because there is there's an element of the visual artistry of of cricket. Mm. I think that I mean, think a David Gower clip off his toes <laughs> to the boundary. <laughs> looked beautiful it that was oh, that was a piece of art. in the background <laughs> oh and me as well i'd have been purring as well that it's, it was beautiful to watch mm. uh, you know you had this this blonde curly haired character who mm. who looked as if he was half asleep and, and uh, left-handed batsman mm. and he would mm. clip him away with the ease of, of of i don't know what and it and it looked beautiful or to see shane warren bowl mm. and and over after over of mm exactly in the right spot and you knew he would get the batsman mm. at some point because you'd see what he was doing and you'd see that there's no way you could do that <laughs> but wonderful wonderful stuff do to you watch. feel though talking about commentators talking about sports generally do you think in recent years the accent being on the professional sports person as moving on into the media career has actually been detrimental to maybe you know the non-professional point of view or do you feel it's that is irrelevant because i just sometimes feel that when i'm listening to commentary now it feels very locker room yeah i agree a with degree, you. No, you know i think it needs uh it needs a balance because i thought christopher martin jenkins was one of the you know I, I might not have liked him as a person because of you know totally different backgrounds but you kind of felt you felt in safe hands but you also felt you were getting a slightly different point of view yeah. on commentary yeah. i mean it's someone like brian johnson back in the day Yes, uh, seemed to have a very everyman touch. I mean, when you th yes. think back to his non-cricketing radio career, where these oh, exactly, who, exactly. Who seemed to be just interested in everybody and made everybody feel welcome. I suppose that comes back to Magnus Magnusson. They were brilliant cricket journalists, mm. and and the best cricket journalists, mm. for the most part, mm. have been people who haven't played professional mm. cricket. I mean, you, you think of. People like uh, Neville Cardus, uh, Robertson Glasgow, mm. Arlett, uh, Swanton. These were people who played cricket, but not mm. uh, to a high level. Christopher Martin Jenkins, as you say, Johnson, maybe. I mean, Johnson was an entertainer, wasn't he? Um, but he was an entertainer who absolutely loved his mm. cricket. Yeah, I mean, there have been people who are very good. I think Atherton's very good. Mm. Some not so. I think mm. Fred Truman for many, many years was tolerated as a sort of character, mm. but deeply irritating as a commentator mm. uh, i just don't know what's going on out there well get off and let someone come in <laughs> who does know what's going about, on. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he did know what he was talking about to be yeah. fair yeah. but he, he, he and, wasn't and, 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 we, and we give him points for appearing in dad's army so. uh, and and indoor league <laughs> indeed indeed so actual proper telly uh, yeah but uh, I, I just Absolutely. wondered though that that sort of tendency towards the professionals knowing what they talk about is that a, a tendency in all of television nowadays i don't know i, mean, I mean, think this, this, we this... as a society you know we expect a, a football pundit to have played it so they can talk about it but do we find that in say the news or the presenters on hideous things like no, that? i think not so much actually no, no. i mean you, do, you don't get very many former politicians who become political pundits do they, they tend to become train, train drivers <laughs> <laughs> oh that one yeah. there seems to be a particular thing with sports people though because mm. it's not just sports people coming in and becoming sports 
reporters. Sports people are being recruited to become general presenters. I mean, mm. there's the young gentleman who presents uh, the One Show. Mm. Uh, what's his name? Jermaine Genus, uh, mm. who is a former footballer, who is now there not to talk about football, but to be a TV presenter. And he's all right. He's all right. Mm. He's not great, but he's all right. You've got the, the there's two or three of them. There's the there's the woman who is a former hockey player who is now one of the team captains on Question of Sport. That's mm. fine, but is also turning up on the the morning equivalent of the one show. I can't right. know what it's called. Uh, doing things and and sports people don't necessarily make good presenters. I mean, sometimes mm. they do, mm. but it, it's not. There's no direct. They go off on a little course by the BBC to mm. turn them into presenters, mm. and then there's a new career born. But there doesn't seem to be any logic as no. to, to why that. Well, that it, is. I, I think a lot of the time it's that they are a popular personality, and people have seen them weep at the Olympics or whatever. But it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of. Again, there seems to be a, a, a route these days that if you have charisma or whatever, or you've actually. Uh, you th- this seems to be the route you do your jungle bit you do your strictly bit you do, you know whatever that route is they yeah. s- they do seem to pick and choose based on how popular they think people mm. would have been but i just wonder sometimes whether I, I mean i've talked about this with other people whether someone like raymond baxter would get through the door nowadays oh perhaps he shouldn't mm. because that i mean in those days the bbc was recruiting mm. from a very very small pool mm. weren't it it was it was uh it was ex-public school, mm. uh, more often than yes, like ex-RAF. Yes, I suppose there is that as well. Yeah, yeah. More often than like ex-RAF, which mm. is what Raymond Baxter was. Um, it's a very, very small pool of, uh, of social exclusivity, wasn't it? Mm. It, wasn't, it wasn't anything representative of the wider community. Mm. I, I always thought Raymond Baxter was dreadful, I must say. <laughs> Some people he, liked him. but he did, I'm sure he did. Uh, yeah, he didn't say anything like, to me. Top of, off the top of the head, you know. I mean, or yeah, someone like yeah. Johnny Morris or someone like... Um, you know, the, oh, Johnny the Morris was wonderful. People we knew. But they, they, Johnny Morris came up as a radio um, mm. presenter before mm. moving to television and was fabulous. He could paint pictures with words. Mm. And Johnny Morris's greatest work, to my mind, from the stuff I've heard, wasn't animal magic doing uh, mm. funny animal voices. It was the things he did on radio where mm. he, did, uh, he did documentaries, he did travelogues and mm. things like that, where he painted pictures with his words very much in the Arlot sort of fashion yes exactly you, I, I remember sitting at a test match once and it was raining in Nottingham and there was no play and Arlot was was on the radio and he was describing how the covers were coming on and going off again in that extraordinary mm. Hampshire bird that he had mm. that I just totally found to reproduce and and absolutely kept everybody spellbound just mm. listening to this this commentary through the headphones yeah well it's better than cliff singing in the rain isn't it Ugh. as we come but to the, the but we are coming to the end of uh Subaka's tenure as Wimbledon, you know yes 30 years and, and she was very good at both at playing and mm. at talking about it wasn't mm. she she was good at both she was one of the, the exceptions i would mm. say that uh, mm. That make that rule. Same with McEnroe was uh, was was has been very good as a commentator. Well, I'm not a big tennis end, expert. No, but at the other end of the scale, we get um, you know someone who's been basically from the dawn of television till you know, the, the present era, uh, someone like uh, David Attenborough, you know, mm. who, who seems to have been able again to to magically get people interested in all sorts of issues mm. from from again presumably from a background of of relative privilege, I would imagine. 
Absolutely. But also uh, a man who absolutely knows his stuff, mm. who has a real magnetism on television. Mm. I mean, if you look at his early stuff, where he's a much younger man, he doesn't have that gravitas of age. Mm. But you know, watching it, those old zoo questions, and you know, this is someone who is prepared to go out there and mm. put his life on the line, as it were. You know, mm. he didn't do all his reporting in those days from a studio in Bristol. He went out to Indonesia or, or West mm. Africa or places like that. He got there among the animals he was talking about. Mm. Knew his stuff absolutely. And that wonderful TV voice as well. This, that seems to be something that's in common, doesn't it? That The, the, the voice that's... The, the, well, that's... I think you grow up and you hear these voices. They do have a kind of comfort to them. I know people's pitches and... I mean, people used to talk a lot posher in the 50s than they you know on television than they do now but generally that voice is there as part of the i don't know fabric of society yeah, yeah. well that's right and each sport i mean if we're talking about sports commentators each sport has had one haven't mm. they over the years and it, on the whole in, in the go back to the 50s and 60s mm. and 70s it has been from that privileged mm. class it's been your dan maskell's with mm. your tennis it's mm. been your peter o'sullivan's mm. with your horse, horse racing mm. um it's difficult to become the next Murray Walker, isn't it? It's oh, Murray Walker, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I say from that privileged background, Eddie Waring, mm. absolutely not from that background <laughs> at all. Absolutely Fair not. Yeah, that's, that's the, the voice of rugby league. Ah. Something I, I have no interest in whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and probably understand even less. Yes, I know. It's, but uh, I, was, I still could have told you exactly what Eddie Waring, I'm not going to mm. do an Eddie Waring, what he sounded like in, in yeah. the... I suppose a lot of that was from It's a Knockout well, and so there on. Is, but, yeah. There was a longevity. I mean, I know, again, the death of uh, Richard Dimbleby was very much covered. I mean, it felt yes. like a, a national sort of day of national mourning. Yes, These, yes. these voices that came from, from the Second World War and, and had been yes. broadcasting. I mean, I suppose there are American equivalents like American... Uh, yeah, him. Yeah. Mm. Later there was back. Walter Cronkite, but yes. uh, that's not who you're trying to think of, is no. it? I know you. But the, these people uh, uh, yeah. who basically gave the new, well, I, I suppose over here we'd sort of say, I mean, Robert Dougal and, and Richard Baker, the, the news readers of our time that, that always told us the bad news, but somehow we kind of took it because it was, you know, we recognised the voice. I know maybe nowadays that's not something we should be doing, but I, what gets me is that someone like Michael Aspel, came from the news to become a favourite children's entertainer. And he was the voice of ITV later on, or the face of ITV. Yes, he did, didn't he? Because he did Crackerjack, of course. So he did Ask Aspel. Uh, and then he went into grown-up talk went, shows. And went, did his... went rogue. Yes, went to the wow. other side. <laughs> his his, his, his grown-up talk show for many, many years. Yes, absolutely. Do you ever voice... feel, I know that you have a, you, you might have had a slightly different upbringing, but do you feel a sort of comfort in those voices now or not? Well, I, I can admire the professionalism of those mm. people and what they did, but, mm. but quite often they were the voice of, for me, they were the voice of the establishment telling mm. us what we should believe. Mm. And that, I find that a bit difficult. Well, was it Richard Baker also doing Mary Mungo and Midge? So absolutely, he did. And I was about to say, uh, Aspel was the voice of the War Games, the, the film about the, oh, yes. uh, the destruction yes. in a nuclear war of Southern England. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's comforting. <laughs> well, I mean, we always used to think the last thing we'd ever hear was Patrick Allen, didn't we? So. That's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny when again because we we talk about 
presenters and what have you uh, one of the things you <laughs> weirdly i i've been re i have been watching it i finally got around to watching it the last couple of weeks was a series called red cap oh yeah 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 John and one of the first people i saw in it uh, was uh, john noakes acting yes that's right <laughs> yeah. i was just thinking that um, the first episode isn't it yeah one of the certainly one of the early ones yeah yeah but he's um it's just that sense that the blue peter presenters as well yeah. uh went from a, a very sort of they are the, the diversity now in, in blue peter presenters is a, is, a, is a wonderful thing but actually someone like john noakes getting that job in whatever it was 62 or whatever it was it seems very unlikely and yet there he is you know mm. you know as part of our childhoods as this northern bloke you know? yes yeah but ha having spoken to peter purvis who i know through yeah. doctor who connections about that peter will always tell you that john noakes was playing a role yes and and that wasn't john noakes that john mm. noakes was actually a very quiet thoughtful man mm. and wasn't always the life and soul of the party no. by any means was sometimes somebody he, worried he about took things on a and, role to be to be the lucky one or... he had his demons yes he, he played the role that's mm. exactly that um and of course had a had somewhat sad ending he had alzheimer's and and, mm. and died not that i knew long that ago, he spent I? quite a lot of his retirement sailing around the mediterranean on that's it yeah which is, yeah. Which is quite i'm sure that's a, a nice choice if you can. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, you know that a lot of those presenters a lot of presenters in general uh, were, were originally actors i think that's still the case isn't it mm. that a lot of presenters it's again it's part of that isn't it? You know, it, it's a, an ability to stand in front of a camera and keep talking and thinking yeah. and, and, lo a lot and learn of, dialogue as well. Yeah. A lot of kids' TV presenters um, seem to be stand-ups. Mm. If you look at someone like, well, Ian Sterling, who's, who's uh, the voice of various uh, reality shows and is also quite well known as a stand-up these days, he was a CBBC presenter. Um, mm -hmm. Holly Walsh, who's, who's again, very successful stand-up now, mm. was, a, was a CBBC presenter. So, as you say, it's that ability to think on your feet. And, uh, well, comedy and, uh, comedy and all these other things, they, I mean, performing, I think performing is a skill that people forget. You know, it's, you know, sometimes we dismiss it and say, oh, no, you should be working in a bank and making a fortune for somebody else. But actually, that ability to just perform, walk, talk, people think it's incredibly simple. They stare uh -huh. at their television and go, any fool could do that. And, uh, I, think, <laughs> and, and I was really wondering, getting back to where we started as we almost round up the hour, is when you were standing in front of those cameras in that studio in the chase, I know the circumstances were unusual, but because of the the covid regulations mm. what have you uh, so you had all the plastic screens between you and yeah all. yeah did that did that feel intimidating in any way shape or form or i, I spent 30 years standing in front of 30 odd kids at a time um so, quite often kids who didn't particularly want to be there and particularly didn't want to learn french or, yeah. or spanish or whatever i was teaching them. Uh, uh, look um it it focused me um mm. it it's I, I was absolutely focused on listening mm -hmm. to the question, listening to the question and listening to the question and getting in as quickly as I could and answering. Is it that easy to be able to do that? I know, I know this, I know that that sounds a very fatuous question, but is it actually easy to listen to the question with everything else that's going on? 
There wasn't much else going on, to be honest, because right. it's not as if there's like cameras zooming around and pointing. Yeah. Oh, there were no audience side, there, 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 there isn't with the, the, the only no. time they have an audience on the chase is um, is with the celebrity specials. Right. So that's that's standard. The only difference from from uh, a regular episode of the mm. chase would be the the screens. Um, no, I did myself no favors as well, uh, having a little accident in the studio. Ah, uh, so <laughs> oh dear me, <laughs> have to go and change. Oh dear me, no, 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 because they've got these, no. because they've got these plastic screens, there was not a lot of room right. behind the little podium where the, the contestants sit, and and it, it's quite a big step down to the, the studio floor below. and all day they've been warning us watch what you're doing mm. don't fall off there the last thing you must do is fall off there yellow tape all this business mm -hmm. so i um i'd got through on my chase and so on and my head to head i'd gone and sat back down and uh, the, 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 that round had finished with all those of us who got through had got through and uh, they were taking us off to the side to decide right. whether we were going to get questions A or B in the final chase. And the last question from the previous guy, he just got wrong. And I was sounding off about what the correct answer was and why it was. And oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Right. And I wasn't thinking. And I just right. fell straight off this step, straight down on my stomach, put my arm out of joint and, and slid across the studio floor on my ample stomach and yeah that's and that hurt my arm quite badly um mm. and it went on for about six months after that though i'd got mm. pain in, in my mm. right arm but no i did that immediately before the final chase right. so i think that little bit of pain actually mm. helped me yep. did, did you make the christmas tape with that do you think oh well maybe but a little, i don't know that's a thought actually a uh, little bit of adrenaline there actually yeah. kept me yeah uh, probably helped you survived <laughs> and everything like that so um so yeah well have you got any further plans to apply for any more have you ever wanted to be an only connect person or uh... i'd love to go on only connect but mm. Quite a lot of the people who um, who uh, who I would go on only connect with already have done. They've already ah, been on and, and and done well or not well or whatever. Well, mostly done very well. Um, the the thing is, if you if you apply for only connect, you have to do like a uh, an online audition thing, right. not with anybody there. They send you a quiz and you have to mm. you have to return it. And if you apply as a team, mm. you get to all sit around and do it together. Right. But if you do it as an individual, you have to right. do it on your own. Right. And, and so that makes question. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I right. tend to work quite well sort of firing off other people and that sort of mm. thing. I think I'd be okay on the show with people to fire off if I was all on my own, then maybe right. not so. So I did I applied for it well, I didn't apply for it. I sent off for the, the thing and thought actually I might struggle with this a bit, so I I didn't do it. Like as I said earlier, I applied for Mastermind again this year. Yeah. And the line I was selling them was, uh, it'll be, uh, what, 30 years mm -hmm. this year since I was on, or next year, 30 years since I was on Mastermind. I wonder what the longest gap between appearances is. And, uh, really? Trying to interest them that way. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, uh, but obviously didn't interest them enough to want me on it. <laughs> well, <you laughs> but never... I should keep applying for that. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll apply for Brain of Britain again when I'm allowed to. Well, um, I will yes. try and think of some better questions for you next time we talk. <laughs> so thank you very much for your time today, Steve, and nice My talking pleasure. to you. Cheers, Martin. See you again. Many thanks to Steve Hatcher for sharing those memories today, and I think that he may have scored a maximum, even if my questions were pathetically easy in comparison to what he's used to. And he'll be back for another show fairly soon. 
And so, as we've questioned and probed our way through another Vision on Sound, that's just about it for this week. Thanks, as always, to everyone at Fab Radio International for answering our questions every Sunday evening. And, of course, thanks to all of you for listening. I hope that you'll be back with us again very soon. As ever, I have been Martin, and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now, and take care. <laughs>